glory. Hallelujah. Have you found out that he's a God of wonder? Woo! Glory to God. His wonders are beyond this galaxy. And he is holy. Turn around. And he is a God that brings into our lives mercy, grace, and presence. Help. Assurance. Love. Oh, Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you long to be in and through us. And so we come this night and present ourselves and we ask you, Lord, to grant utterance, words, to ours. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Children's Church, we're going to dismiss you all. Have a blessed time. Pastors Mark and Brenda are back at uh, in Brampton. They're seeing their grandbaby. She's just such a doll, little Eden. They're, so they're with James and Esther, and then they're also um, going to the week of increase at Keith Moore's church. So that's a powerful time. And you know, I know that for a pastor, that's one of the ministers that just really you know, inspires him and speaks to his heart and challenges him and builds him up in faith. So that's a good thing. And he just brings it back, and he lets it all out on us. Amen. Glory to God. Lord, we just ask you to bless them. Bless this time. Bless this week. Bless their, their, their time with even little Eden, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago um, on a Wednesday night, I was talking to you a little bit about um, something the Lord had shared with me about inclining your ear. And I, I had something added to that, so I wanted to share it with you. So again, let's talk a little bit about what that means. You know, the, the Word of God tells us that we're to come and we're to, to incline our ear unto his sayings. And I was saying that, you know, the definition of the word incline, as I looked it up, it means to lean into. It means to bow in submission to. So it's actually a gesture of intimacy, right? Where you come to God. And you're leaning into what is being said, what is being ministered to your heart. And so then you bow in submission to that word. And you say, Lord, make it so in my life. And that is such a powerful thing. You know, have you ever had a conversation with somebody? And you you just need to tell them something. You want to tell them something. But perhaps, you know, they're watching TV. Or they're on social media. And you want to talk to them. And you you know, you want some eye contact going on. Because communication really, 55% of communication is body language. 38% is the tone of your voice. 7% is the content of words. And so, you know, 
um, maybe, maybe they're not doing anything at all, but maybe they're just not present in your conversation. So they're half listening. And when you're half listening, maybe you're distracted, maybe you're not interested, you're not engaged. Half listening, it leads to only hearing half of what is being said. And if you miss half of what's being said, you miss a whole lot. And so it's important that we, um, we alter some things because if you don't alter your behavior, what you hear will alter your behavior. Amen? So you've got to hear the right things. Really, what it is, it's a lack of respect. It's a lack of honor, and that's something that's so missing in our culture today. Respect and honor. And we've all been guilty of it. But we can correct it, amen? We can make the adjustment, and we can pay attention. I remember uh, being down in the South, and I'll tell you, when there's a funeral procession going by, everyone pulls over to give honor and give respect for this person's life. We need to be more diligent about showing honor. It's a very precious thing in the sight of God, and God has much to say about it. Um, Have you noticed that in our culture, the spirit of this world is really working to twist, delude, and spin words, words of man on every issue? doesn't matter what the issue is. The intent, really, this is an assignment from the pit of hell. I do believe this. And this assignment, the intent is to do this. It's to bring strife. It's to bring confusion. It's to bring division. Because what? It wants to divide us so it can conquer us. You know what this is? It's an evil work. It really is. And we've got to be wise about that. We've got to not allow strife and division and confusion. Amen? So we've got, to, we've got to seek first to understand and then be understood. We've got to give of ourselves to another and incline our ears to what is being said. You know, it's sort of like, have you ever heard about the frog in the pot syndrome? Yeah, the frog in the pot. So this uh, boiling frog is an antidote Uh, describing a frog slowly being boiled alive. So the premise is that the frog, if you put it in boiling water, he's going to do what? He's going to jump out. But if you put this same frog in cold water and you slowly bring it to a boil, it's not going to perceive the danger. Got that? And it's going to stay in there till it's cooked to death. So that's a good word for us. Amen? Amen. You know, the hearts and souls, that's the mind, the will, the emotions of many have been placed in a pot by the enemy and slowly being brought to a boil until they're cooked and until the entire life of God no longer flows through them. Oh, Jesus. The absence of his presence in our lives. Oh, Lord. Let it not be said. 
let it not be so. Society is really conditioned to fashion oneself after the spirit of this world and after its attitudes. See, the devil's really marketed, hasn't he? He's been very, very busy. And he's marketed unto people his will and his vision. Our culture is full of it. And people have inclined their ears and have paid more attention to his enticements. Because they feel that maybe that's something that's going to do something for them. But it's not. It's going to take something from them. Their clothing, what they begin to put on, displays their heart condition. Self-absorption. Self-righteousness. Oh my gosh. Self-righteousness. Entitlement, narcissism, which really is self-centered, self-loving, self-admiring, egotistical, self-regarding, rude, disrespectful, dishonoring, conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 3? Let's take a look at that. We're going to read some scripture tonight. So let's just take a look at this. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will what? Will come. Jesus is telling us that. But you know what? You don't have to be afraid. Be of good cheer. He's overcoming. And he's in you. So what's that make you? A world overcomer. Amen? But he's telling us these perilous times will come. What does the word perilous mean? It means to be harsh. It means to be savage. It means to be difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous, and hard to bear. Hard to deal with. Well, we know if you don't have the hope of God in your heart, it's going to be hard to bear this season. But you've got it. Amen? You've got it. Hallelujah. Verse 2 says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Do we see that? I mean, the disrespect to parents. God says in his word that you've got to honor your parents. I don't care what age you are. doesn't mean you have to agree with them. But you need to honor from your heart. Honoring is a position of the heart. Honor and obey for children. Children need to obey their parents. Because the Bible says it's the first promise to a child that all may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. And so, you know, we do have spiritual parents too, don't we? And so we need to honor them and give them a place in our lives to speak into our lives. And sometimes we have to obey and follow that voice too. Because there's a wealth of richness and experience and anointing that comes from elders. Amen? Amen. That have gone through some places. That have gone through the fire. Amen? They've made their way through it. They come out on the other side without the smell of smoke. Don't you want to know how to do it? Don't you know there's so many situations in this life that we have not yet confronted? And so people have diversities of supplies for you. So, you know, I am so blessed in my life to have the richness of a diversity of friends. 
I feel so sad when people, you know, exclude themselves and they have one bestie. Oh my God. <laughs> See, you're limited with one bestie because one bestie only has one supply for your life, one experience that they can give, one revelation. But when you open up your life and you have a rich, full reservoir of covenant friends, oh my goodness, you'll never be barren. Amen? You'll be full glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, disobedience to parents, unthankful, that's another sign of the times that we're living in. People don't have an attitude of gratitude. And that's why they're unhappy. Because they're always looking for something more. When you're thankful for what you had, it makes your heart grateful. And that makes your heart happy. So be thankful. Amen. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. That's where we see a lot of addictions. Amen. Amen. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, heady, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a what? Form of godliness, but doing what? Denying the very power. And the Bible is strong affirmation or admonishment about this. It says, and from such people turn away. In other words, don't have them as your covenant friends. Don't associate with them. Show them the love of God. Be the example of Christ to them. But don't hang around with them. Don't make them your buddies. Amen? Amen. Quoting from the Spirit-filled Bible, the power that they are denying is really the heart of Christianity. It's the fact that we have a risen Redeemer. It's the truth of the inspired word of God. It's the indwelling and overflowing presence of the Holy Spirit working in the heart of the believer and transforming our lives. That's when you know God is real. When he transforms your life. When your thinking is renewed. When life comes and you have a personal relationship with God that he speaks to you in the night seasons. He speaks to you throughout the day. He leads you. He guides you. He comforts you. He counsels you. He's your advocate. He's your strengthener. Your intercessor. He'll guide you and lead you into all truth. And it is the truth, my friends, that sets you free. It's the truth that keeps you free. Amen? Amen. Church, we must understand that Jesus rescued us from evil. He rescued us from repeatedly falling into sin. He, He has made us holy. He has made us his own very special people. His children. How do you feel about your children? He has made us to be, he has made us to burn 
with zeal and enthusiasm to do good works by his grace. Now that's a working of the spirit in your heart. You know it. That's not natural. It's supernatural when that happens on the inside of you. So be zealous, therefore, and do good things for God. Amen? Be a disperser of good. Be a disperser of kindness. Now, good works do not produce character. Character, godly character in you, is what produces good works. Now, we know that the Word of God, the Bible, is what? It's God speaking to us. The Word of God is what? The will of God. It's God's will. So if you want to know God's will, look in His Word. He'll reveal it to you. So let's, let's turn right now. I want to look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 27. And look at, again, what, what Jesus says, or what God says about inclining our ear. So it says, My son, attend to my words and incline your ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them where? In the midst of your heart. You've got to be the one that guards your heart. God's not going to do that for you. You have to do it. It's your responsibility. You guard your eye gates, your ear gates. You guard your mouth. You guard your heart with what? All diligence. It says, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Because why? Their life to those that find them. And their health and healing to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it flows something. What flows from your heart? The issues of life. The power of God. So again, when you're inclining your ear... Your ear is leaning into and listening to what God is saying. It's bowing in submission to his word. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you and give you revelation, wisdom, and understanding. Now, wisdom is when God shows you his divine wisdom above man's wisdom, what needs to be done, what's going on with the situation. You have wisdom. But then there is something called the spirit of understanding. And the spirit of understanding enlightens you as to the understanding of the why behind it. So sometimes you'll see the wisdom, but you also need the understanding. And when you get in that place where you're inclining your ear to him, he'll speak to you. He will. And he'll show you just what you need to know. So you just pull yourself away. You know, maybe you're driving in your car and you just begin to pray in the Spirit. Lord, what about that? I need help in that situation. I don't understand. I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. Lord, I need wisdom. And then he'll give you the understanding of how to walk it out. So you need what? The timing of it. You need the the content of what to do, what to say. You need the tone. You need the tact. All those things. He'll grant to you. He'll give you understanding about Isn't that good news? See, we're not left to ourselves. We're not alone. The greater one lives in us. So the words that he speaks, like, say you you come to gather and assemble for service, and you're inclining your ear, 
And the words that he'll begin to speak to you, pastors or whoever is ministering, may not even be talking about. But God will grant you revelation concerning it. And it will enlighten you. And it will speak to you personally about you, about what he wants you to do, the adjustments you need to make, the encouragement that you need, the faith that you need. He'll feed you that way. Amen? Amen? It's a, it's a glorious thing. And so, two Sundays ago, Pastor Mark was ministering out of Matthew 25 about the parable of the talents. So I want us to go back there and look at the chapter tonight. So we're going to have to kind of move quickly through reading some of it because I feel it's important for us to do it to, to bring to light what he has ministered to my heart to share with you tonight. So let's go back and look at that. Um, we're going to go back to the very first verse in that chapter where really Jesus is talking about preparation. Okay? Now, who's, whose responsibility is preparation? Ours. Okay, so let's read. The kingdom of heaven will be like... Um, we're reading out of the New Living Testament, by the way. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise, wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now that is a message to the church today. We cannot be found asleep. We don't want to be drowsy in the days that we're living in. Amen? Because the enemy is out there like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But I'm telling you, he's not going to devour me and mine. He's not going to devour this place or any of you. We pray over you. We speak the word over you. We stand in the gap for you, this staff does. This pastoral staff and the people in this church, I'll tell you what, they are powerful prayers. People of faith. Amen? He's not going to devour us. He's not going to do it. And so we're not going to be found drowsy, half alert, half listening, asleep. We're going to be awake, wide awake. And it says, at the midnight hour, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But why? Because that was their responsibility. You know, some things you just cannot be codependent about. And salvation is one. It doesn't work. It won't work. God didn't design it that way. You've got to go and find, work out your own salvation for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too, you must keep watch. For you do not know the hour, the day or the hour of my return. 
So now Jesus moves from preparation to responsibility. So that's preparing your heart, being prepared, okay? But now we're going to talk about responsibility and stewardship in the verses where he talks about the parable of the talents, or you could say the the three servants. He speaks about stewardship of our time, stewardship of our talent, and stewardship of our treasures. So let's look at verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going through a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing in proportion to their what? Then he left on his trip. The servants who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called to them to give account of how they had used his money. So the servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came with five more. And here's what the master said. He said, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. He was pleased. And he said, well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into what? The joy of the Lord. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you much more responsibility. See, that's increase. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid, and so I hid your money. Fear will try to hold you back from stepping out into what God has for you. It'll hold you back from sowing your time, your, your talent, and your treasures. It says, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. You didn't steal it. But did that please God? No. What did God say? He said, you know, but the master replied, you're wicked and lazy servant that's a pretty strong rebuke if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate why didn't you deposit my money in the bank because at least I could have gotten some interest on it then he ordered take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver that's how God sees justice to those who use well that which was given Use well that which is given. Even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So when we faithfully give of our time, talent, and treasures, it not only pleases God, we find out here from this passage of Scripture that it does what? It produces joy. Now, you would think it would be the opposite if you're giving your stuff away, that you would be lacking. But what God says is it's the very thing that will produce 
joy in your heart. All of those we read about earlier in 2 Timothy chapter 1, or chapter 3 that we just read about, they never have joy. I mean, they might find some happiness. But joy is produced when giving and investing into somebody or something outside of yourself. It's, it's a fruit of this, the Holy Spirit. And it works in our hearts. Now, as I was inclining my ear again, as pastor was ministering. This passage of scripture about faithfulness to use what God has given you, the Holy Spirit emphasized a word to me, and it was the word abilities. Remember we read that? That word jumped out at me. I thought, hmm, I'm going to research that. God was talking to me. So I looked it up, and the word abilities means capability. But it also means something else. It means potential. Now listen up really good. It means potential. Now potential is something that we grow in. It's not like a talent that we have presently. It's something that we grow in. It's not just what you currently possess. But it is what you are capable of. It is your potential... God-given potential at every season of life and at every age of life. You have potential. It's God-given. Now, through stepping out in faith and staying fully committed through the good, the bad, the hard, amen, the ugly, you begin to develop. You develop. It's your responsibility, the God-given potential that he's placed in you. So I bet, Pastor Tom, the first time you picked up a guitar, you weren't as proficient as you are today. And certainly the anointing may not have been upon you in the way that it is today, right? So you stepped out and you, you put your hand to it. And you just kept doing it. You kept at it. You kept practicing and practicing and being faithful and being committed. And what began to happen? That gift of God was developed in you. And now not only are you blessed by it, but we are too. And not only are we blessed by it, but God is blessed by it. That's a powerful thing. So stepping out in faith, got to step out in faith because sometimes you want to hide that talent. You want to hide that treasure. You want to hide your time. You've got to step out in faith. Believe in God. He's going to redeem that time. He's going to give it back to you. He's not going to let you fall. He's going to pick you up. He's going to be there with you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I remember Ingrid stepping out on keys. Oh my gosh, she stepped out in faith. We needed somebody. God needed her for the kingdom. And she stepped out and she, she took lessons and she, she practiced and she, oh my gosh, the anointing that's on her today. Thank God that she stepped out. So, you begin to develop that God-given potential. Now, it's not what you think you can do. Amen? Because that limits us. But it's your God-given potential. Listen up again. I want you to catch this. Your God-given potential produces increase in your life. 
bury your potential and you bury your increase. Is that powerful? Glory to God. God spoke that to my heart concerning this message. That's what I wanted to build it around. Is again, your God-given potential produces increase in your life. That when you bury your potential, you bury your increase. And then people turn around and say, well, the word doesn't work. God, why aren't you working? And they question him. When all along, they just won't step out. Amen? Step up, step out, and step into. Can you see why the enemy... He's, he's a, he, he fights, you know, the enemy of our soul. He's fighting. He wants attention for what he's marketing. He wants our attention on ourselves. He is the very spirit of fear that will try to stop you from stepping out in faith and faithfully developing your God-given potential. But you can do it. If you stay committed, oh, he'll tell you it's too hard. He'll tell you you can't do it. But he's a liar. You can do it because you're standing in him and he's standing in you. Don't buy that lie. Don't take that thought because we found out last time that it will sink your boat. As you launch out into God's given potential for you, that which is bigger than you. You don't want to take on water. So again, thoughts of fear, doubt, and unbelief, that's like taking water into your boat. Remember, your boat's going to stay afloat in the water unless water gets in your boat. So you've got to keep the water out to stay afloat so that you can get to the other side. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Let's cross over. He was declaring the end from the beginning. It it was power behind those words. He said to to, uh, Peter, step out, come. And Peter stepped out and he was walking on the water until he looked to what was around him. When his attention diverted from what God's word said, he began to sink. When your attention diverts from what God says, you'll begin to sink. Your soul will sink. Then your heart will sink. Then your boat will no longer stay afloat. That's not good. And so, God says this. He says, give attention to my words. You can do all things through me. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to see you through. You can develop this God-given potential in you. I'll be, I'll be working. I'll be working with you. You've got to stick to it. You know, I'm so proud of our youth and our young people in this church because they've stepped out into a place of, of learning disciplines in their life and leadership and, and perseverance to develop their God-given potential. Amen? Not just a job. There's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's when you're 16. But you shouldn't be working at McDonald's if you have God-given potential to be a a world changer. Amen? In whatever capacity he has you serving. It might be comfortable to stay there. But what did God say about that? 
He didn't say, well then. (laughs) Satan so wants to distract you from your God-given potential. He wants you to absorb in yourself, wants wants you to be absorbed in yourself so that you never walk in that God-given potential. And in the anointing that's connected to it. This is true with time, talents, and treasures, my friends. One example of using talent would be people who have a gift to sing. Maybe they even grew up in church singing. But, you know, they get lured away. They get enticed and they begin to seek fame. They begin to seek fortunes. Now, fame and fortunes in and of itself, they ain't bad. But they can become an evil thing in your life when the motivation becomes self-serving. See? Because, you know, they begin to compromise their witness for Christ and they begin to forsake the anointing of God upon their life. And the anointing, there is an anointing of the evil one. Did you know that? And that anointing of the evil one will come upon them. And that never ends good. How many rock stars do we see that died in drug abuse? Their marriages, their families destroyed. That, you know, you hear of the pain and the suffering that they go through. It's just, it's a horrible thing. Because the motivation and the, the, the root of it produces bad fruit, you see. It's not grounded in him. It's grounded in self. And so it's a temptation. And it's a temptation for any kind of talent, time, or treasure. Amen? Satan is crafting. He finds bait that's going to entice you. He knows just what you will bite. Because see, sin is really, it's pleasurable for season. The word of God tells us so. We know so from experience, don't we? But it's not lasting. It's not. It's like you're going to find a, a, a you're going to find a sharp hook in that shiny lure. And, and I'll tell you what, it'll become like a web that will ensnare you slowly, like that frog in the pot, ensnare you to to the point that you. You turn, you're, it turns bitter to your taste. Now Jesus said this. He said, if you thirst, you come to me. And you drink living water. Because see, people thirst. And you're going to go after something to quench it. So they go and, and Satan, he markets to them what he wants them to drink. Now, they may think that a soda, you know, is something that they need. Right? They may think it's even the real thing. But it's not. It's only going to leave you more thirsty. It's only going to damage your body. I stopped drinking soda years ago, and I started drinking water. And you know, at first your body craves that soda, that sugar, that caffeine, or whatever. And it rebels. It wants it. It wants that. It tells you it's the real thing. But as you continue to drink water, you know, I I began to notice something. I began to notice I felt better. I began to notice my body functioned better. Amen? I began to notice that it quenched my thirst. Your taste buds will even change. And a few months down the line, I'll tell you what, that soda tastes pretty bad to you. And no longer tastes good. 
The same is true spiritually. You begin to thirst for that which he thirsts for. Righteousness. Now we're going to finish up and close uh, starting back at verse 31 of Matthew 25. We're going through the whole chapter here. And it says, But when the Son of God comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. But I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or visit you in prison? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren and sisters, you did it unto me. Glory to God. Your potential produces increase. And your increase not only affects you, it affects those you touch. You can't give what you don't have, folks. Amen? When the Spirit of God begins to work in you, His will and His desire, you begin to, to thirst for something. We're having a class on it right now. Salt and light. You see, you no longer want to walk in darkness. You don't want to. That desire leaves you. You want to walk in the light and you want to bring the light to others. Amen? Now, I learned something from Martha a a week ago or so, who's, you know, Lee, Martha's husband, he's a baker. And she was telling me about something about salt. We know salt makes you thirsty. Amen? And we also know that salt's what? It's a preservative. It'll preserve you. But she told me this. She said, salt is also a a restraint. And so when making bread, you know that little pinch of salt that you put in the the dough? It's that little pinch of salt that restrains the yeast from taking over. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in the Bible, yeast is likened to sin. So when we have salt in our life, what does it do for us? It restrains the sin. Amen? Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think that's so powerful. It makes us thirsty for him, salt does. And it makes others thirsty for what we have. Isn't that true? So, Lord, we just thank you tonight. We just give you praise for this word, Lord. And we just let it encourage our hearts. We let it provoke us. We let it stir us up. We let it, Lord, do a work in us so that it can do a work through us. Lord, right now, we in... Let's just, let's make a confession together. Lord God, I come to you. And I give to you my whole life and every kingdom of my heart. I give to you my time, my talent, 
my treasures and the God-given potential that you've placed in me, I will step up. I will step out. And I will step into that which you have prepared for me. And I won't do it alone, Lord, because you're with me. I'm standing in you, and you're standing in me. Glory to God. Now, if you pray from that, from your heart, get ready. <laughs> get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because God's about to do something really amazing on the inside of you. Amen, Ingrid. There's a witness right here. I'm telling you what, she's got a testimony about stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into the potential. Amen. The God-given potential on your life. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you so much. We just give you praise. And Lord, we just want to make an invitation right now. You know, we've been talking about this God-given potential. We've been talking about the Spirit of God working in you. And the only way that he can do that is if you absolutely give him your heart and receive him as your Savior and Lord. So if you're here tonight and you've never done that, you've never made the Jesus that we're talking about, the Lord of your life, you've never invited him, ask him to forgive you of sin. We want to give you that opportunity. Anyone at all looking around real quickly in this room? Glory to God. It seems like we're family tonight. That's good. But there's potential out there on the street. Amen? Amen. There's potential living next door to you. There's potential. I mean, people that nobody else would look at, God looks at. Because God sees the potential in them. Amen? He sees that one on the street. Amen? That's in despair and their life is falling apart. He sees potential. And he wants you to see them as he sees them. So we've got work to do, church. We've got to get out there and get busy, amen? We've got to be about the Father's business in this hour. Time is short. There's only a sliver of time, amen? I want to give account for all that he's called me to do. How about you? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Mm. Glory, 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 glory. We give you praise, Lord. We thank you, Father, for working that work in our heart. That you, you transform our heart. You change our heart. You bring us so that we walk in a place where we're bearing the very image of Jesus in our lives. Where people are drawn to light and they're drawn to salt. Thank you, Lord, for using us. For your glory. Now he's just moving in here tonight. I'm telling you, if you have places that there's hardness of heart, where you think you, you can't overcome something, you, you, you haven't been able to let go of it, it's, it's just been uh, ensnaring you and entrapping you. It might be a secret place. You know? This is a time to just release it because there's an anointing here for God's grace to come in and do for you what you can't do for yourself. His grace, we sang about it. His mercy, His presence wants to come into your life and so evade your life. So fill you with His presence that nothing else can live and abide there. 
For some, maybe it's adjusting thinking. Maybe you just need to make an adjustment there because maybe the thoughts you've been thinking on, they're not thoughts of faith, but thoughts of fear. They're not godly thoughts. They're not thoughts that's going to lead you to your God-given potential. Let them go. Release it. Give it to Him. Do something with it. Give it to Him. And let Him do a divine exchange in your life and give you what you need from the throne of God. He's moving in here tonight. He's moving with a powerful anointing. And if you'll just take hold of that anointing, it'll transform some things in you so that it can transform some things around you. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. His anointing. Amen? It'll help you to pass through some things without things passing through you. Glory. It'll keep you strong. 